Hello and welcome to The Campaigns, the actual play podcast from D&D Academy. I am Michael and this is A New World Episode Zero, Let's Start With a Bang. In this brief intro, I'm going to cover all the background information that you'll need so that you can start off with our first official episode when it's released. So this game is a more traditional D&D setting, sort of a generic setting with some differences, and I will cover those here so that you'll kind of understand what's going on. The players are all starting off part of a large human-dominated empire that has ruled for four or five hundred years or so. It was born on the back of a previous empire that was ruled by what I'm calling the Stone Lords. And these are a cross between uh, Warforged and Earth Elementals that have a very sort of humanoid appearance, but they're much larger than humans. They're standing anywhere between 8 and 12 feet tall. Uh, They have a very muscular physique. These Stone Lords ruled over humans and dwarves for hundreds of years. Uh, They actually started their empire below ground and had subjugated the dwarves for many, many years before the humans above ground even knew they existed, to the point that when the humans eventually started to fight back, the dwarves continued to fight on the other side with their masters, the Stone Lords, for a very long time. Now, the dwarves did eventually change sides and start helping the humans, uh, and this was before the battle was definitively decided, so it wasn't like they waited to the end and then jumped in. Uh, But they waited a lot longer than the humans would have liked, and to this day, there are still some sort of um, hereditary resentment towards dwarves, and there's still some distrust. And there's a lot of common sayings that sort of disparage the dwarves and talk about them being late and untrustworthy um, and things like that. Now, the human empire was actually formed or founded by a human named Graven Stonecrusher, Stonecrusher was a a name added after the Empire was founded because of his role in defeating these Stone Lords. And his bloodline has maintained the rule ever since. They have a pretty complicated process for choosing the new Emperor. They have a series of war games and contests. um, And basically anyone that is in Graven Stonecrusher's bloodline is eligible to participate and then whoever wins the overall games is declared the winner and will be made the next emperor once the current emperor passes away. So there's a period about um, whenever the current emperor is around 50 years old they hold these games or if they were to fall ill or if there would be some sort of incident that makes us makes them need to do it earlier. But generally, that's how it works. There have been instances where an emperor has died and the games were held after the fact. But pretty much, this is how things have gone. And there certainly have been cases of bribery and assassination and uh, foul play and cheating. But for the most part, it's worked out and the empire has continued on fairly peacefully and fairly strongly ever since. This has given rise that most noble households follow these same rules where it's not necessarily the oldest uh, male child of the noble households that inherits everything. When it becomes time, any, any person of the bloodline can compete. It's still very male-dominated, though there are some instances where females have participated and won uh, noble households, but there's never been an empress. Elves in this world are, are quite different than the traditional uh, not in how they act or their their history. They're still woodland creatures, you know, very long-lived, uh, mythical or mystical. Uh, but elves in this world were completely unknown until after the end of the war. So the entire time that the war was going on and before the war, dwarves did not know that elves exist and humans did not know that they existed. They only showed themselves after 
the war had pretty much been decided in the very last few days of fighting did the elves even show themselves. Um, they then, they did then throw their resources with the humans and the dwarves, and it certainly made it very easy to finish off the stone lords. So, there, of course, there is some sort of resentment towards the elves, similar to the dwarves. It's just not as open and public as it is uh, towards the dwarves. So the population of the empire is very heavily human. 70% or so is, are humans. There's about 20% dwarf, dwarves, and about 10% is pretty much everything else. Uh, in this world, there are no warforged. There are no um, tieflings, at least not um, playable characters. They're, they're, they're like a, I won't say mystic, they're like a legendary race that they know exists, but they don't really interact with them. And uh, there are orcs, but they're, they almost have no communication or relationship with humans whatsoever. They, they are also a very unknown and misunderstood race that kind of keeps to themselves. The elves have maintained a segregation from the humans this entire time. So there's essentially no intermingling of cultures. And for this reason, there is no known half-orc or no known half-elven people in the entire world. Except for some of our PCs, of course, because those people are exceptional. About 10 years ago or so, uh, the, the elves came forward to the current Graven Stonecrusher, told them about a magical oddity that they had detected at the far edge of the empire in the western sea. Together, the wizards and human mages examined this phenomenon and have determined that it is a one-way portal to another world. The empire has decided to send a colonization force through the portal and expand the Rivenstone Empire to multiple worlds. Each of our PCs, for one reason or another, has decided to join this expedition. So pretty much that's where we're going to start. Um, I'm going to give you a very quick brief rundown of the characters. Uh, this is just uh, basically race, class, and a little bit of their background. So Evan is playing a character named Blaine, who is a half-orc. And again, as far as anyone knows, he's the only half-orc that has ever lived. Blaine was raised by a human family and learned the trade of being a baker. However, because of his fearsome nature and size and strength, he became very well known. In, in his hometown, there was a military academy, and it became sort of a rite of passage for cadets in, um, in this academy to come down and try their mettle against the savage baker. Uh, time after time, they left, usually ego bruised, if not bodily. Uh, but one day, things kind of escalated, and Blaine was forced to really hurt somebody to protect himself. And uh, this led to one of the academy commanders to come down. Uh, originally, it was to arrest Blaine, but once he spoke to Blaine and kind of figured out what happened and learned about him, he actually tried to get Blaine to join the academy and learn some discipline. Uh, Blaine eventually did, but things didn't work out. He was just not suited to be uh, in the academy. The, the discipline just it wasn't, didn't fit his his uh, personality so he didn't work out and he was basically kicked out however during his time there he came to the notice of a young human noble named jason winters eventually jason brought blaine into his household to serve as his personal bodyguard and uh, jason was one of the nobles that has been selected by the empire to go through this portal and so blaine is going along again as his personal bodyguard uh, Blaine is leaving a wife and daughter behind, but uh, Jason is basically sworn that they will be taken care of for the rest of their lives, regardless of whatever happens to Blaine. Rob is playing a cleric of Pelor. His name is Durin. He's a dwarf, and Durin's father was a mortician, and basically Durin grew up his entire life around bodies uh, mostly dead and uh, has learned a lot about medicine and healing as well as 
uh, the sort of the other side of taking care of bodies, going through the embalming process, burial, and that kind of thing. This exposure at, at a young age has kind of led with a fascination that borders on obsession. And when Duran's father died at a young age, Duran took over the business, found out that his father had a, a secret laboratory, a very sort of Frankenstein-ish obsession with death as well. And Duran eventually tried to resurrect his father using some spells that he found in his father's hidden laboratory. But unfortunately, Duran was not capable enough to handle them, and things didn't go well. And all that actually happened was Rob's, or excuse me, Duran's father uh, was opened to uh, a demon horde. So there's a, a legion of demons that have be- invaded and now become trapped inside the dead body of Duran's father. Duran was able to subdue this foul beast and has kept him ever since subdued and, and captured. So he's still trying to figure out a way to get the demons out and then bring his father's soul. Uh, another thing that happened that same night that he tried this spell, a raven familiar that's actually a zombie raven arrived and has acted as Durin's familiar ever since. Now Durin is actually playing a cleric, not a wizard, but one of his background things is he has a familiar, much like a wizard would, but it's also a, a zombie. So Durin joined the priesthood not long after this happened, again trying to find more, find ways that he would have enough power to, to do this uh, spell to bring his father back correctly and get rid of the demons. And uh, he actually eventually was brought into a secret part of the church, is more like a secret cult that works within the Church of Pelor that actually worships death. Now, I was very clear with Rob that his character is not evil. He simply worships death in the whole circle of life sort of way, but they do keep their present secret from the rest of the clerics. And, and actually, at the time that we start, uh, Dern has made his way up to be one of the highest levels members, and he has also been chosen by them to go through this portal to help spread um, their religion, and he has connected himself to Jason Winters as well as sort of like a house physician. Duran has also secreted his father's body full of demons on the ship inside of a large wooden crate filled with sand. Uh, Travis is playing Jack, a gentleman thief. He has infiltrated the noble household of Maven de Boers and currently works as his steward, uh, Maven not realizing that he's actually a thief. Travis's character Jack has a history with Maven that goes back a long way. At the time that we created his character, it was a little bit nebulous. We have since decided that um, Maven has come in possession of a family heirloom that is very precious to Jack, and he is attempting to steal it. And he is so bent on retrieving this item that he joined Maven on the boat going through to this new world, and unfortunately he wasn't able to get it in time, and so he kind of got stuck going through but uh, this item is still at the top of his mind. Uh, Nick is playing Tredic, a half-elven druid. Again, he's the only half-elf as far as anyone knows in the entire world. Tredic's father never really had a lot to do with him, and Tredic grew up almost wholly ignorant of that side of his family. Despite this, he found an early comfort in the woods outside of his home village, and he spent hours out in the wilderness walking around. And uh, very often as he would walk the wilderness, animals would just sort of follow his trail and come around him. It was very um, Snow Whitish, just walking through the woods and animal friends coming up and hanging out with him. Um, Tredic also found that he had a gift for carving and would spend hours carving animal figures and studying their bodies to make sure they were as close to perfect as possible. And through this sort of skill of observation and, and trial of, of carving, he eventually realized that he could turn his own body into the shape of any of these animals that he was able to create a good enough likeness of. And 
we sort of connected that to his druid ability of shape shifting is that it just sort of grew out of his uh, woodworking, carving connection, um, elven her- heritage type of thing. So once he started turning into animals, he was actually sought out by a druid sect uh, in the woods, and, and they kind of brought him into their fold and helped him learn and grow his powers. Uh, he is an unparalleled woods guide, and that's why he was brought into the Jason uh, retinue as well, so that he would be there to help uh, explore and document and uh, even um, do maps. He's a cartographer as well in this new world. The day before they were supposed to leave, Tredic's father actually came to his village and asked him, in fact, he actually he told him not to go, that he should not go on this mission. Didn't tell him why, just said, do not do it. Um, and then he handed him a sealed letter and then left. Um, this caused Tredic to redouble his desire, and he left the letter unopened at home. And then lastly, Nico is playing Valius, a dwarven paladin of Moradin. Valius has been shamed by a past failure that we haven't clearly defined yet uh, and has voluntarily shaven his beard off. And in our world, this is a, a great shame that dwarves have. Usually it's done to them uh, as some sort of punishment, but he d- did it to himself as a way to kind of show that he was sorry for what he did. And uh, this causes him to be sort of an outsider to most dwarves that he meets. They don't know why it was shaven. They assume someone else did it. Um, so they don't trust him and they, th- they think less of him. Uh, Valius believes that his god did not strip him of his pal- paladinhood despite this failure, whatever it is. Um, and he believes that uh, he's sort of like on his only second chance, and that if he ever fails in his paladin duties again, that he will be stripped of his power. One of the things in Valius's background is he has spent a lot of time deep within the earth, and he's done some exploring of the old stone lord cities, and he's probably the most knowledgeable stone lord expert currently in the empire. And he recently found evidence that there was a link between the elves and the stone lords. He hasn't quite put it together, but he found some old books and scrolls that sort of indicated that there was some connection, and this has instantly made him sort of uh, concerned about this colony, and so he has found a way to hide on board ship as a stowaway. So just make sure, because I, I actually think I may have skipped it, Elf, uh, Evan is playing Bane, who's a half-orc barbarian. Rob is a uh, dwarven cleric of Palor, but not really, he's actually a dwarf of death, or a cleric of death. Travis is a human rogue, and Nick is a half-elf druid. So after we did our character creation session, we did just a short, brief introduction scene into the game. So I'm actually going to add that to the end of this podcast, and then the next episode, which will be episode one, will start right after the the events that you'll hear shortly. Um, So basically, just to make sure you understand what's going on, there were five ships that had set sail from the Empire that were going to be the sort of the first wave of this new colonization effort. There was a massive ship called the Empire's Reach that held 50% or more of all the people and provisions that were on their way. It also held the son of the emperor, who was to basically become the um, steward of the empire on this uh, new world. There was a, a ship called Giant's Fall, which was a dwarven ship. It had 200 people on it, all dwarves. There was a ship called Water's Breath, which was the elven ship that was also going. It's all elves. There's Rock's Hammer, 200 um, passengers, mostly human and mostly soldiers from the Empire. And then there was Winter's Heart, and this is the ship that all of the PCs are on as part of Jason Winter's uh, retinue, or uh, Nico's case, he was stowed away. And Jack was part of Maven's retinue, which is also on the ship. Um, it has 200 people, mostly humans, 
and uh, it had about 17% of all the supplies the way I just divided it up. Um, so that should be pretty much everything you need to know to, to jump into the story. Uh, again, there'll be a short, like a five, ten minute scene that I, I ran the players after character creation. And then the next episode will be episode one. So here it is. I really hope you enjoyed the campaigns, A New World, episode zero. Let's start with a bang. But you're saying your goodbyes and you're packing up all your stuff and you're waiting to be on board. You three notice that there's a bit of a commotion and there's a lot going on. So it's very hard to pick out a commotion within all the commotion, but it draws your three's attention. And you see a, a guy getting led off of the ship, the, the big ship, the one that the Emperor's son's gonna be on. He's being forcefully removed by guards. Too far away, you guys can't hear what's being said. You don't really know what he did or why but this guy is getting shoved off the ship basically being arrested and, and taken away other than that the day goes pretty much to schedule you guys eventually get onto your ships you eventually set sail the the trip itself should take about three weeks almost 21 days to get out to where you're going it's very How they find this thing? yeah it's in the far corner of this large ocean around the land again the elves brought the knowledge to the human settlement and said, hey, there's this thing we found. Will you help us investigate they it? They made it. The elves came forward with it. The, the trip there is pretty well uneventful. We might go back a little bit and have you guys tell some stories about yourselves and kind of help flush out your characters. But pretty much the, the trip goes without, without a hitch. On the day that you get to this portal, it, and it doesn't look like a portal, even if you, in D&D, even if your character's never seen one, you kind of think, you think you know what a portal looks like. This doesn't look like a portal. It's just a sort of, mass of black and purple light that's sort of folding in on top of itself and there's no real pattern to it so it's not swirly it's just this random blob of energy and it's from all you can tell it's perfectly flat so it just exists in the middle of the water right about ship level nothing on the other side so there's no way to see through it it's not like it's a mirror where you see yourself it's not like it's a like a window where you see anything on the other side all you see is this purple mass so the ships kind of arrange themselves with the big main ship going last and all the other ships going first. So the ships start to go. The elven ship actually is chosen to go first. And as you guys, I'm assuming, probably out on the deck watching if you want to be. If you want to be downstairs, you can. It's kind of a big deal. You see the ship start to sail into it. And there's this weird sort of elongation. It actually looks like the front of the ship is being pulled really far out where the back of the ship isn't yet. So you sort of, almost like what you imagine a black hole would do. You just see it being stretched all the way out. And it seems to take forever. And then eventually the back of the ship starts to catch up and then it, you lose sight of it. And the elven ship is completely gone. So the next ship- I went off. <laughs> you dive into Taxi. the water and you die. So the, the next ship is pulled up and it basically goes through the same process. So there's like, you know, hours are going by as you're sort of queuing up for your position. It just happens that your guys' ship is the fourth ship that goes through. So you're next to last, same process. And when you start to go through the portal, you kind of feel like you're being stretched. You know, your, your body's experiencing that same sensation of, of being pulled really far out. Everybody roll me a d20. And you're all dead. And you're all dead. Mm, 19. Okay. So you are apparently a little bit seasick and you're not feeling too well this whole situation is kind of making you uncomfortable 
And it just happens that as the ship is entering into the, the end, you turn and look the other way, where everyone else is focused on where you're going and what you see. You're kind of looking the opposite side. And even though you can't see through the portal this way, you can see out. So as you guys are entering the portal, if you looked backwards, which you are, you can see the world that you came from and you can see the other ship. So you are the only one that notices that it explodes in a fireball right as you enter into the portal and then disappear. So the last thing you see is this ship. And what was the last ship? The big one with like everybody on it. With the, with the all emperor. the supplies, all the supplies, most of the, of the, of the people, and the emperor's son exploded in a gigantic surprise. fireball. The emperor and his son. Well, it's the emperor. The emperor's son, who was chosen to go on this expedition, was on that ship as well as again fifty percent of the people, fifty percent of the resources, just explode in a fireball. And as far as you know, you're the only person that saw that. And then once you sort of snap back like a rubber band. You find yourself in the middle of a giant storm on this raging sea and it's just dark lightning the ship is being tossed and there are people who probably got through overboard like instantly you know because they weren't really expecting this so people are scrambling you guys if you have any ability at sailing or maybe helping out or maybe you just dive dive to the ground and hold on for dear life but there is just this crazy storm and it rages for hours so by the time things start to calm down Nobody on the ship knows where they are, which you're in a different world now anyways, but they don't know how far they've gone. They don't know which direction they've gone. at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>